This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boston Loose Baseball, episode 96. You're listening to the voice of producer Darius Dameron. Grant Paulson's out, so I'm alongside Toby Altizer, one of your regular hosts here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. And guess what? It is spring training time. Pitchers and catchers report here on February 14th, and we are excited and ready to go for the baseball season. Let's talk some Nationals baseball. We'll preview spring training. We'll talk about some of the offseason acquisitions. We'll talk about prospects to watch as spring training gets going. Some of the big questions at various positions on the team. And spring training is going to be broadcasting on television. Way more than it usually has, but we got some questions and some thoughts on that. Bust Loose Baseball episode 96 starts right now. Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is episode 96 of Bust and Loose Baseball. Again, Grant Paulson is out this week, so I'll be filling in in his place. This is producer Darius Dameron alongside Toby Altizer. Toby, spring training is finally here. Pitchers and catchers report on the 14th. I know we're not projected to win the, the most games in the National League or anything. I know our projections are pretty low. Actually, I would say disrespectfully low, but maybe I'm biased. Yeah. But man, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a very exciting time to be a Nationals fan with a lot of the things that are potentially going to happen for us this season in terms of prospects coming up and, uh, and and players making their debuts in the major leagues. There, there might be a lot of debuts in Nationals Park this year. I'm excited. I think the 2024 season is going to be a blast. What do you think, Toby? Yeah, dude, it's crazy to think that we're already at spring training. Pitchers and catchers reporting we got the position players coming in and just in less than a week it's just crazy to think that we're already at this point and I think you hit the nail on the head there I mean there's so much to be excited about for this year of Nationals baseball because in years previous it was not great baseball on the field for the big league club and there was maybe one or two guys that you were excited about in the minor leagues now you look down there and there's a handful of guys that are going to be at big league camp during spring training so you get to watch some of those guys during the spring training games and hopefully they do well and you know, now you can look at it and there's a real timeline that you can have a James Wood at Nats Park in the middle of the summer. You can have some of these guys there. So you can be really excited about the future of this team and not just looking two and three years down the road, but looking next month, maybe two months from now. You know, so you can get pretty excited about this team, even if it's not going to be, 
a great year in terms of wins and losses. I think it's going in the right direction. You're taking that next step, hopefully. And, you know, last year I think was an encouragement in terms of how this thing is going along. So if they can build off last season, I think there's a lot to be excited about for this year. Yeah, and I mean, just think about, you know, kind of a quick recap of last season. You you had you had some excitement here and there. You know, there was the breakout of Lane Thomas, let's say. Uh, you know, Lane Thomas has always been a decent player for us, but basically last year he broke out to be a potential damn near all-star, pretty much. Uh, you you had the breakout of C.J. Abrams. Uh, you had, you know, some, uh, I guess you can say, sort of a breakout for Josiah Gray to begin the season. As the season went on, he kind of fell back to earth. Um, you had some of your ups and downs with Mackenzie Gore. You, you had the call-ups of guys like Jake Irvin, who came in and basically made a huge impact on 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 the rotation, taking over for Chad Cool, who, I mean, it, it, we basically forgot about at one point. Uh, Jackson Rutledge comes up. Um, it, yeah, a lot of those things were, were pretty exciting and all in their own right. Now you're adding in Cade Cavalli is going to be coming back from Tommy John's surgery. Uh, you know, the prospect, the, the, the top three guys in our uh, prospects list should be coming up at some point uh, this season it's to to compare last season to this season uh especially because last season i would say it was very surprising in terms of the win total we we didn't think the team was going to win as much as they actually did and be as competitive as as they actually were especially towards that uh towards that post all-star break area where they they really started to click and 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 things started working out for everybody i i think this has got potential to be even better than that considering the prospects that will be coming up at some point yeah, 100%. I mean, last year in the first half, the team was 36 and 54. And I think that was along the lines of what you expected. 373 runs scored to 456 runs against. So pretty bad run differential. <laughs> Second half. 35 and 37, just two games under 500 and a much closer run differential. So this was a team that was competitive down the stretch and you saw the breakout of guys like Lane Thomas and they continued it throughout most of the year. You saw Josiah Gray named an all-star and he struggled during the middle stretch, but he was able to kind of get things figured out. It seemed like in the last start or two. And I think the big thing was CJ Abrams seeing a guy that was traded in part of the, a big part of that Juan Soto trade Seeing a guy come up and show you what he's been touted as all along, a guy with speed, good defense, can get on base and make an impact. I mean, I saw that Fangraphs was projecting out a season. I think they put him at 35 stolen bases projected. The dude stole like 37 in the second half. I honestly think this season's going to be exciting for him because he might go for, dare I say, 60? At least 50, I would think, stolen bases. So I think he's going to be exciting, and that's just looking at guys that were already in the bigs. I mean, looking at the guys that could be coming up is, I think, maybe the most exciting thing for Nats fans because you got guys like Brady House, who's 48th on the top 100 list. You've got a Dylan Cruz, who's in the top 10, and you've got a James Wood, who slipped outside the top 10 for now, but was squarely inside the top 10 last year. So a lot to be excited about. And like I said, it's not looking too far down the road. It's literally looking, you know, maybe you could see these guys in July. And think about how it happened for C.J. Abrams, by the way. This season didn't start very great. He was at the bottom of the order, uh, you know, hitting in in the low 200s. And then Davey went to him and said, hey, you're my leadoff guy. I want you to make the most of it. And he did just that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just love the fact that Davey realized this guy needed a bump. 
I, I don't know if it was something where he saw something in his swing or he saw something in the clubhouse. I don't know exactly what it was, but he basically put him in the leadoff spot and said, hey, man, go make an impact. And he definitely did down the stretch. I mean, seeing what he's able to do, he showed some power as well. So that's exciting. But what he's able to do on the base pads, I mean, you figure down and looking down the road, you got C.J. Abrams in the leadoff spot and you got Dylan Cruz in there somewhere. You got James Wood, you got Brady House. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about because this team has some guys. Now, we'll talk about the pitchers, and maybe there's some needs there, but I really like what you could see this year out of this team, and it's pretty exciting to think that these guys are getting really close to the big leagues. Nothing gets me more excited than watching C.J. Abrams have a home run. That oh, yeah. Man, what a blast to watch that guy. It's going to be this year. Uh, so, like I said, pitchers and catchers report February 14th for spring training. Position players report on the 20th of February. Of course, we'll try to get you guys a bust and loose episode prior to the position players reporting. Uh, but exciting times are ahead. Let's take a little recap of what our offseason was like. I would say generally the offseason was mostly quiet, which in some ways I would say is expected because the team is kind of still in flux in terms of whether or not they're going to sell um, and it, it, whether it could be Ted Leonsis that buys the team soon. We're not sure. There was a lot of changeover in terms of some of the front office staff. A lot of Mike Rizzo staff changed. Uh, your scouting director has changed. A lot of things happened this offseason, but overall, I feel like your generic fan, your generic Nationals fan, is probably going to say that this offseason was quiet despite a lot of those uh, a lot of those front office changes and then a few acquisitions here and there. What, what would you uh, what would you say overall in terms of a re? cap of this offseason so far toby yeah i mean there wasn't much i mean nick senzel is going to play third base for you joey gallo is going to come in and play first and in the outfield and dylan floros brought in for the bullpen so i mean the bullpen needed help so i guess that's fine but i know some people are looking at it and saying man you could have gone out and signed somebody not talking about the otanis of the world but go get somebody and i just don't think that this was the offseason to do it now I know some people are going to look at it and say, is there ever going to be an offseason that ownership will spend again? And that's a valid question. And hopefully down the road, that can be something that will get answered for us because the team's competitive again. But I think when you look at what this offseason to me was all about, it's about the young kids and making sure that they have a spot. So, you know, going and getting guys like a Jamer Candelario last year, getting a Joey Gallo this year for a one-year deal, I think those types of deals are fine. I think that's what you want to do because if one of these guys, you know, you saw what happened with Jamer, he played really well, he gets dealt, and you bring back a guy in DJ Hers who looks like he's going to be on the big league club at some point during the season this year. So that's what you want to have happen. But you also don't want to block these guys. Like if James Wood gets off to a hot start and he's ready to come up by May or June, I don't want to look at it and say, hmm, who am I taking out of the lineup? No, I just want to say James Wood's getting inserted into the lineup, and I'll figure out the rest afterwards, but I don't need to worry about, oh, I paid $10 million for this guy. I can't move him out of the lineup. I like the fact that everything is open. Now, you know, people are going to say you could have spent some money because you look down the road, and if all these guys can come up and play well, realistically, this team could be, I don't know, I wouldn't say at 500 this year, but... Uh, you know, maybe around the same thing this year, but you could be looking at a 500 ball club next year if some if these prospects come up and play well. And so people are going to be, why didn't you spend some money this offseason? Why don't you just, why are you waiting until next year? I'm kind of fine with the approach, but I can also understand the frustration from a lot of fans that money wasn't more uh, wasn't spent more this offseason. But that being said, 
to me, it's all about the young kids. And so if they save up and spend next year, I'm totally fine with it. But again, the clock is ticking. They're going to have to spend some money at some point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I definitely thought that if there was going to be any position that they they potentially were going to spend money at, it was going to be first base. Maybe it could have been starting pitcher. I I I would was more leaning towards first base was going to be the position that they were going to target in terms of spending money at, and maybe Joey Gallo is that we're not quite sure. It's not hasn't been quite made clear to us. I know uh, Joey Gallo joined Grant and Danny on 106.7 A Fan back in DC. Uh, I guess a day or two after he signed with the team, or uh, excuse me, inked his contract with the team. And he mentioned the possibility of playing first base and playing outfield. Um, and then I know our our friend Jessica Camarado of MLB.com, she did a projection of the 2024 opening day roster, and she had Joey Gallo listed as not only an outfielder, but a first baseman as well, um, and a DH. <laughs> so I guess yeah. <laughs> you can consider Joey Gallo very uh, versatile. So, you know, maybe that is the case. Maybe that is what their thought was, is that he will be a, a, a first baseman more, more often than not. Um, but, uh, the only thing I can think of is that, yeah, maybe again, they don't want to potentially block someone who could come up and play first base, whether that might be, let's say, Yo-Yo Morales, uh, comes up eventually and he, they predict, project him to be a first baseman, which would, I think suck because he has an electric arm from oh, third base. So it would, it, would, it would suck to lose that, but eventually you're going to need a first baseman and probably going to need some youth at that spot. So maybe there, there is some thinking to that. Uh, like I said, starting pitcher is kind of a little bit of disappointment that they didn't spend money there. Um, I guess, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck with Patrick Corbin. You got your three young guys that are currently in the rotation with Gore, um, uh, excuse me, Josiah Gray and Drake Irvin. Then you have your fifth spot, which is currently Trevor Williams, but you would think that that's probably the spot that's going to be potentially up in the up in the air for the potential of a Kay Cavalli or a Jackson Rutledge to steal that spot at some point. Dare I say a Cole Henry or someone else that's uh, currently in our system that's on their way up. Maybe that's a spot that'll be in flux, and maybe that's why they chose not to spend money and keep that spot open. But I'm I am with you. I think this wasn't necessarily the off season because you want to see how these things play out with the youngsters. Maybe you get lucky and a bunch of them come up and fill up a bunch, fill a bunch of spots, and then from there you see where the hole is and you go spend money on that one, that one or two gaps in the roster that you might have. So I think next season they'll have the opportunity to sit back and say, okay, this is where our spot, this is where our gaps are in our roster. Now we can go spend chunks of money at it, especially because they'll probably free up chunks of money uh, considering With that. Corbin. Patrick, yeah. Patrick Corbin is in the last year of his deal. So uh, that'll be a nice chunk of change. Well, if you can figure out the Corbin thing, that'll sure up some money. And who knows what's happening with Steven Strasburg? <laughs> like seriously, what is going on there? So if they can get those two things figured out, I kind of assume they're never going to get out of the Strasburg stuff. I think they're just going to pay him the full contract. Uh, who knows what happens there, but they're going to have to figure out something there. But yeah, you're, you're right. Corbin's going to free up some cash. And, you know, I think it also gives the guys, not just the Brady houses, not just the Dylan Cruz, James Wood, those guys are top 100 prospects and they know it, right? They, they know that as soon as they're ready, they're not getting blocked. You know, the, those guys come up and there's a spot for them, but a Trey Lipscomb, he can look and say, you know, we're going to talk about second base here in just a second, but he looks and says, I can play all over the infield. I want a gold glove. You know what? Second base might be open. If I can have a good month here, I might be able to take that spot and be at Nats Park. You know, you, you have some of these guys looking and seeing, 
realistic opportunities, not just for the top guys that are obviously going to come up and have their spot ready for them, but for the guys that if they're playing well can earn it. I mean, a Jacob Young last year, obviously it was a, a late season thing, but he played well and he came up and he got a chance and played well when he was in the big. So I like the fact that things are open, but I think next off season is the time to spend because a lot of these guys are going to reach the big leagues at some point this year. And you'll get to see, Hey, maybe this guy doesn't pan out as much as you want. You know, Robert Hassel, you think of a name like that. You were thinking he was going to plug right into the outfield after that trade. And that hasn't necessarily been the case. So I'm not naive to think that all of these dudes are going to hit and turn into all-stars and MVP caliber players, but you give them a chance when they come up, you kind of evaluate them. And then next off season is the time to open up the checkbooks and fill out that roster. That's a great point. Uh, I, I think that might be something that we as fans may sometimes overlook is that, hey, yeah, we did acquire all these top prospects from various trades. We did draft uh, Elijah Green and uh, Dylan Cruz and as top five picks, each of them doesn't necessarily mean all of them are going to hit. And, you know, you don't want to be negative Nancy about things like that, but you also do have to be realistic. It's not very often that a, a team that's loaded with a bunch of different process, a bunch of different top prospects that are ranked high in MLB prospect list and baseball America. It's not, it's not always that they always hit. So, you know, it, all we can do is hope and give these guys opportunity. And I think that's what the organization is doing. The organization is giving these guys opportunity, especially by not spending money uh, here on the major league roster. You mentioned, you mentioned some of those signings uh, you had Nick Senzel, who was signed from the Cincinnati, formerly of the Cincinnati Reds. It looks like he's probably going to slot in as your starting third baseman uh, to begin with. Give me quick thoughts on Nick Senzel. Yeah, I mean, he's a former top prospect, former, I believe, first-round pick. I mean, this is a guy that has a lot of talent, hasn't necessarily worked out in Cincinnati, but, I mean, this is a guy that can play all over the place. So, if nothing else, if one of these guys is ready, again, there's spots all over the infield this guy can play. So, you know, if Brady House is ready to come up and he needs to take third base, he'll take third base, and Senzel can move all around. So it's not a sexy signing, but it fills out the roster, gives you a guy that you can depend on over there. So I like the move. Yeah, and he was very versatile for, for Cincinnati last year when they had a lot of uh, movement in, in their organization with guys like uh, Ellie De La Cruz coming up and and Matt McClain coming up, uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand coming up. Uh, when they, they had a lot of movement that caused Senzel to play the outfield. I remember seeing yep. Senzel play plenty of games in center field and actually was really good out in center field. So we also got Dylan Floro, a relief pitcher, coming in what do you think his addition adds to the bullpen i mean they needed more arms i mean we yeah. talked about this throughout the year it was harvey it was finnegan at points it was carl edwards and it wasn't many more and honestly that was it and we talked about this throughout the year where it's like you can get on davy for who he chooses but <laughs> there was no one to choose and yeah. so just adding some depth to that bullpen, I think, was important. Having a guy that you can depend on, as much as we want to talk about keeping roster spots open for young guys, and I stand by that, you also have to field a 26-man roster of major league caliber players. And at times, that bullpen wasn't full of major league caliber arms. So getting a guy just to at least take up a spot and maybe can help you in some high leverage spots late in games, I think is important. Nassim Nunez was added via the Rule 5 draft. And then today, on February 13th, we got the announcement that Jesse Winker, also a former Cincinnati Red, if I'm remembering correctly, was added to the roster. And, I mean, I would – Grant Paulson said this on today's uh, Grant and Danny show, that he thinks Jesse Winker is going to open 
as potentially your starting left fielder this year. And he wouldn't be, or excuse me, your, your starting left fielder or your DH, potentially. Jesse Winker, what do you think about him being added to the roster? I mean, this is another one of those guys that has the potential to be really good. He struggled last year in Milwaukee, and you know, I have some ties. I came from Milwaukee. I lived out here before, but I, I worked out in Milwaukee for a time, and so many people were down on this guy because he really struggled last year. But this is also a guy that's a former All-Star, hit a lot of home runs with the Reds, so maybe you can run into something. I mean, the other thing that we haven't talked about much yet is – the Nationals had next to no power last year. So bringing a guy like Joey Gallo, that obviously brings a lot of power. Bringing a guy like Jesse Winker, that could provide some power. Who knows? And it's just another one of those flyer shots that I like because if nothing else, you you move on. It, you, nobody remembers Corey Dickerson last year, but that was the same sort of move, right? So I'm totally fine with these moves. The one I want to go back to, you mentioned Nassim Nunez as the Rule 5 player. This guy isn't going to be... Uh, a big power guy in his time in minor league baseball. He's seven career home runs, five last year. But what he is, is incredibly fast and good on defense. Last season, he only had 43 RBIs, a 224 average, but he had 52 stolen bases. So if this guy can get on base, he can be a threat on the base pass. And if nothing else, I think he gives some guys an opportunity to get off their legs. If it's CJ or if they're needing to push Luis Garcia again, like they had to at points last year to, to prove a point to him, Nassim Nunez could step right in and play a good second base and provide you a little spark at the bottom of the lineup. I like that. And then he can be, you know, late inning relief for, for Luis Garcia. If Luis, Luis Garcia continues to struggle defensively as he has in the past um, and add in some speed off the bench, along with uh, potentially Jacob Young and, and Victor Robles, we could have more speed than we've had quite some time, I would say. So that's a, that's a pretty exciting prospect. I, I, I actually like signings like Winker and Joey Gallo, because like you said, it's, it's almost like the chance that we took on, Jamer Candelario, where yeah, 100%. Yeah. And the chance that we tried to take on Nelson Cruz a couple of years ago. Yeah. You take your chance with these guys, one year deals. If they pop, you trade them. If they don't, oh, well, you're stuck with them, but you can, you can bring along a prospect who potentially could replace them at some point and, and bring more production than what, you know, if, if they happen to be a miss, more production than what we're providing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zoom. Second base. You mentioned second base. You mentioned Luis Garcia. It seems like if there's any position that's kind of the biggest question mark going into the start of this spring training, it is second base with Luis Garcia. I would imagine if the Nationals were to release a depth chart today, they would list Luis Garcia as their starting second baseman. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. But it, as we know from last year, Luis Garcia... It was very up and down. There were times where he was batting for high average, never really popped any kind of power at all for the most part. He also struggled with, it seems like, focus and things of that sort. And Davey got on him by sending him down to the minor leagues at a crucial point in the season. 
uh, in a crucial point in his career, I would say. He came back up at the end of the year and had some decent outings where you kind of felt a little bit more encouraged about, you know, p- potential upside. But, I mean, we're we're heading into, I believe, almost the fourth year of, of Luis Garcia being up and down on the roster. This is it for him. You know, there are a lot of guys in the infield that could potentially come up and swipe his spot, including guys that you mentioned earlier, like like Trey Lipscomb or potentially Brady House moving to second base, whatever it is. Uh, what's your thoughts on Luis Garcia in the second base position as it stands right now? Yeah, this is a guy that has a lot of talent. And to me, you can kind of tell the story from last year in one series, and that's the Kansas City Royals series at the end of May. He opens the series and goes six for six. What an six incredible game that was. That was a, and, such an incredible game. Great, great approach at the plate, going the other way. And then the next two games, 0 for 5 and 0 for 5. And, you know, that's baseball, right? You're not always just going to get up there and you might go 6 for 6 one night like he did and go 0 for 5 the next. Like, that's not something that's just a Luis Garcia thing. But my point is this. This is a guy that goes 6 for 6 by going the other way, taking what's pitched him. And then the next two days, looks like he's pulling off the baseball, doing other things. And I think this applies to a lot of other aspects of his game where it seems like they can work on something, whether it's his fielding, whether it's his base running, whatever it may be. And it'll be fixed for a day, for two days, maybe a week, maybe even a month. But at times he just falls back into bad habits. And the fact that last year Davey sent him down and it wasn't just because, oh, he's struggling at the plate. He wasn't playing great, but he also would have been fine in the lineup with what the other options were. And they sent him down and said he needs to be more consistent and more mature as a ball player. That's a huge red flag. And so a guy that has much talent as he does, because if you look back at last year, I know that batting averages and everything, but the dude hit 266. It's not as if he was a 220 hitter. He had nine home runs. He had 119 hits. So it's not like he was just a complete liability. The issue is he's not always fully devoted, and that's a huge red flag. So I think the talent is there to be a starting second baseman, or at least for this team, an everyday second baseman. But he's got to show up and be ready to work every single day. And if that's not going to be the case, one of these other guys is going to take it because I think the rest of the organization with Davey and Mike Rizzo, these guys are kind of sick of it. They don't want to keep dealing with a guy that they're not fully sold is going to be there every single day, fully bought in. And so this is a big spring training for him because it's still his spot. Like you said, if they were to put out a depth chart right now or projected lineup right now, he'd be slotted in there at second base. But if he comes out and he's lackadaisical, that might be strike number three for him because he's already living on the edge. Yeah, it's, it's, kind of crazy that with the state of the roster last season like you said if if they would have kept him in the lineup and not sent him down to triple a nothing would have changed no uh, <laughs> but, but they they felt they needed to make a statement to him by sending him down uh, and i i think that says a lot i think it says a lot uh, it, for one it says a lot about davy and and his ability to be able to connect with players and and to be able to tell when a player needs kind of a reality check. Uh, also probably credits to Rizzo as well, because um, I would imagine he had hands in that decision too. Uh, I actually think he was the one that spoke about it on the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan pretty much the week that it happened um, and, and talked about some of the maturity issues and and that they want him to maintain consistency and develop. Uh, so like I said, it, 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 it says a lot 
that they did that considering the state of the roster and and the youth that the roster is dealing with you know Ildemaro Vargas replaced him for <laughs> for those couple of weeks yeah. that he was down where it's like it was Ildemaro Vargas wasn't doing much different than what Luis Garcia was offensively he probably was doing some of the little things better than Luis Garcia some of those uh things that don't show up on the stat sheet some of those things defensively were probably better than what Luis Garcia was doing but yeah this is a big 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 year for Luis Garcia and his potential future with the Nationals. Another player, I, I, we didn't talk about this in our uh, pre-show meeting here, but I think somebody else that's in that similar boat is Victor Robles. Whereas he actually was somewhat impressive last year. I know he had his gaffes uh, here and there with base running. That seems to be a Victor Robles staple. Uh, we've talked about that on Bustin' Loose Baseball over the years that we've been doing this podcast. Uh, you, you may or may not have heard Bustin' Loose Baseball fans who listen to this regularly have heard Danny Rie make very many rants uh, about <laughs> Victor Robles. Uh, but uh, despite some of the gaffes that he had, when he was healthy, he was actually hitting pretty well for the most part now he was at the bottom of the lineup so of course he's got better opportunities down there to better at the bottom of the lineup but he was taking advantage of him, which i think was great then injuries just kind of derailed what could have been especially considering last year was a, i would say considered a big year for him too and in, in his future in the organization with all these outfielders that are in the in the system what do you think about victor robles's potential for 2024 yeah, it's an interesting name because it seems like he's so forgotten in the organization now. I mean, this was the guy that the Nationals wouldn't consider trading. And then he was a part of the World Series team, and now he's kind of an afterthought. And, I mean, last year, he showed some real signs at the plate. And it wasn't even the fact that they were good results. You know, he had a two ninety nine average in 36 games, you know, 750 OPS, which you'd be more than happy from with his ability on defense and with his ability on the base paths. The issue is consistency. Once again, obviously last year, who knows? He only played 36 games. So who knows if he could have been a little more consistent and whatnot. Uh, injuries kind of derailed that, but there were even just little snippets in a 36 game sample size last year, 126 plate appearances that you felt the consistency lacked. One plate appearance, he'd show up there and you'd be thrilled with his approach. And the next you're like, well, that's Victor Robles. That's the guy I remember. So again, I think it's just about a consistency thing with him. And I don't know exactly what his future is because you look at the guys coming up, a lot of them are outfielders and you even got to look and consider that you know, Jacob Young, a guy like that, is he going to play more in the outfield? Who knows? I, I honestly... I couldn't tell you what's going to happen with Victor Robles this year, but you're right. It is another big year for him to kind of prove and carve out his role in the organization once again. Yeah, two guys who have been top prospects in this organization and Luis Garcia and Victor Robles, two guys who were once considered untouchable in this organization, and now their careers could be on the line here as we well, start the 2024 season. And as you bring that up, Darius, this is why I think it is uber important and I mean hugely important, that Dylan Cruz and Brady House work out, and probably more so Brady House than Dylan Cruz, because Dylan Cruz, when you drafted him at number two overall, by many was the top guy and about as pro-ready as you could get. And so developing him, yes, you have a part in that, but when you get a guy that is nine-tenths of the way there, how much credit are you going to get for getting him that last little bit? Getting a guy in Brady House and developing him, I think, is hugely important because you look back, when's the last time this organization developed one of their own? 
and turn them into a really good player. It hasn't happened. Strasburg, Harper, Robles hasn't turned into the guy that he was supposed to. You know, you mentioned Garcia. All the guys in the trade that we talk about, C.J. Abrams, acquisition from a trade, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, Caber Ruiz, James Wood, go through the list. They're all acquired from other places. And so, you know, we talked about Mike Rizzo and his draft strategy and all that stuff. It still hasn't been great. You know, last year, I think, kind of revitalized things with an Andrew Pinckney coming out of nowhere and playing well, with Yo-Yo Morales playing well, and who knows about Sikora, and we'll see with all these other guys. But I think those two panning out is huge for this organization because it would show a change where they could get a guy that they drafted and turn them into a good big leaguer. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, another person we can kind of throw in that same class of Victor Robles and uh, Luis Garcia is Carter Kibum. Yeah, Kibum's another one, you know, where he, he got an opportunity last year to come up towards the end of the year, showed a flash or two here and there, and then showed why he's <laughs> not highly valued in this organization anymore, where he just couldn't put the bat on the ball, couldn't, couldn't stay in play. You know, injuries have also derailed what could have been as far as his career has gone, but the opportunities that he has gotten, he hasn't taken advantage of them. So could be another, could be a big year for him as well, just in terms of seeing where he well, might slot in the organization, but it, it's not looking great. I would say for, for Carter Keeboom. And on the pitching side, Jackson Rutledge and Cade Cavalli, those two as well, seeing if they can be developed. Rutledge seems like he's starting to turn a corner, but is he that guy that you drafted in the first round? Who knows? Cade Cavalli might be kind of your last hope on that front that you can get a, 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 high caliber type pitcher that you've developed. So we'll see. Long gone. Next up here, we're going to talk about some of our prospects to watch, but there's only one way that you can watch them, which is usually through your mid Atlantic sports network, Masson, <laughs> or you can of course, listen to them uh, on one Oh six, seven, the fan uh, locally in DC or uh, various other ways through Nats.com. But, uh, they released a broadcast schedule the other day, and it was surprising to most of us because it's been a common complaint over the last couple of years that it's hard to watch spring training games because Masson wasn't broadcasting them like other networks do for their for their spring training uh, teams. It looks like Masson's broadcasting quite a few games this year, more than usual, I would say. And those that aren't broadcasting on Masson are going to be available to listen to on the radio, which is awesome, which is great. And I think it's cool that we're going to finally have an opportunity to be able to see see the team consistently in spring training. Because not everybody gets an opportunity to go down to Florida. It'd be nice, I'm sure, especially that time of year. Uh, but not everybody gets that opportunity. So be able to watch the team on spring training, especially in a, a crucial time like this where all these prospects are going to be in spring training and be with the big league club. It's an exciting time to be able to see the team pretty regularly. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it at points last year where it might have been more exciting to watch Harrisburg or one of the other teams than the actual big league club. And to be honest with you, depending upon when some of these guys get called up, this might be the most exciting month of baseball for Nationals fans this year because you get to see the guys. And who knows? I'm sure some of these guys will be at Nationals Park. So not to say that it, we won't get to see these guys this year, but being able to see these guys and knowing you're going to see these guys, I think is pretty exciting for a lot of fans. And this is what people have been looking forward to now for at least last year and probably the year before that, looking forward to these things. And now's your real opportunity. You got a lot of the guys at spring training. So it's exciting to see what they're going to look like. And, you know, I don't think it'll happen, but it'd be awesome if one of these guys could just tear the cover off the ball and say, you know what? 
put me on the big league roster. <laughs> I don't think it'll happen, but man, that would be awesome. That would be absolutely incredible. And you can't forget the, the Nats are doing something really cool this year where they're actually capping off spring training with what used to be their exhibition game. Typically they do an exhibition game at Nats, Nats park, uh, typically against some ALEs team. It's been the Yankees the last couple of years. I know we did the Red Sox a few years ago, but this year it's actually gonna be the nationals, a roster versus the Nats future prospects team, which I think is gonna be really, really freaking cool. And I'm definitely gonna have to make sure I'm in Nats park for that. I think that's a great opportunity to be able to see these guys, especially because a lot of these guys are gonna be on AAA Rochester or they're gonna be on AA Harrisburg. And those are teams that you don't get to see very often. There's no there's not any AAA affiliates here in the DC area where we are. Um there are there's the AA Bowie uh Bowie Bay Sox. So you're you do have opportunities to see Harrisburg when they come into town. But for people who don't get to regularly see these teams, uh, I think it's really cool to be able to see some of these future prospects right in Nationals Park before these guys make their debuts. Yeah, it's going to come up at March 26th. That's the Nationals Futures game. So I'm excited about this because I think the organization realizes that a lot of the excitement about this team has nothing to do with the current iteration. And it's nothing against the guys that are on the team. We're excited about CJ. We're excited about Gore. We're excited about some of these guys. But the reality is people know Dylan Cruz because he was drafted number two overall. People are excited about that. People have heard about this giant that can run all over the place and looks like a basketball player that can hit ridiculous tanks in James Wood. They're excited about that. They're hearing about this guy that at the Futures game was hitting tanks and was the most impressive BP out of everybody that was there in Brady House, and they're excited about that. So I think it's good that the organization realized a lot of the excitement about this team has to do with three players that aren't donning the curly W yet. So get those guys to Nats Park. It's good for the fans, but I think it's also good for these guys. Get accustomed to Nats Park. James Wood played for just a, a couple of innings, I believe, in the exhibition game last year against the Yankees. Get these guys there, get them accustomed to being in D.C. and give them that vision. Get them, you know, put a little bit of a, a spark into that dream of being at Nationals Park and being a big leaguer. So I'm really excited about that. And that might be the thing that I'm most looking forward to in these next couple of weeks. So with that, position players don't, like we mentioned earlier, position players don't report until February 20th. But there's been a handful of prospects who have been included in the spring training roster as non-roster invitees. A lot of those prospects include some of your top guys, and such as James Wood, Dylan Cruz, Robert Hassel, Trey Lipscomb, Brady House, a guy like Darren Baker, who uh, I believe he was on the roster, the non-invitee roster last year as well. Let, let's let's get into breaking down some of these guys and some of the prospects to watch this spring training as you'll be watching on TV. Yeah, so for me, James Wood uh, and Dylan Cruz kind of highlight that list. Dylan Cruz, I don't know that there's anything specific that I'm looking for in spring training. I, I think this is a guy that had a crazy long year last year, you know, going from the College World Series, then joining the Nationals. And it seemed like it took a while until they got him accustomed to the organization and got him out there. And he struggled a little bit. But I just want to see the guy out there and just playing baseball. I, I think that this is a guy that once he kind of everything slows down for him just a hair, he's going to be right back to the guy that you knew at LSU. I'm interested in James Wood. I'm really interested to see what he looks like. Did he work on some things in the offseason where he can cut down some of that strikeout rates? Can he fix some of those things? We've talked about it plenty here on the pods. You know, he's huge. He's six foot seven. He looks like a basketball player. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch him, Hopefully you get a chance this year at Nats Park. If you don't, make 
sure you go out to Bowie and see him when he's there with Harrisburg or whatever the case may be. You got to see this guy. He's fantastic to watch in person. We got to see him hit a crazy home run. He's awesome to watch, but he's huge. So he's always going to naturally have some holes in his swing. I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive at the plate, kind of seeking out pitches to hit as opposed to just waiting and waiting and waiting. I think if he's a little more aggressive, it could fix some of the strikeout issues. I've talked about Brady House plenty on this podcast, and I think that he is going to be a superstar. If I had to pick anyone out of the Nationals prospects that I'm highest on, it'd be Brady House. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He's still young. His big thing is health. I want to be I want to see if he can bring out some of the power. That's kind of been the one thing that's been lacking for him. No one doubts the power, but we haven't necessarily seen it yet, so that'd be something to watch. I think the other guys might be the most interesting though, honestly. Robert Hassel the 3rd. This is a guy that was the safest prospect, so to speak, in the Padres trade for Juan Soto. And he's kind of fallen off, struggled with strikeouts last year. Can he get back to being that solid player? He was never going to be a three or four hole hitter. He was never going to be that guy, but you expected him. Maybe he could be in the top two in the lineup or he could be hitting seventh or eighth and he would be an everyday player. You never have to worry about him. He might not even be an all-star, but he's that guy that is just in the lineup. That's a stalwart. The people outside of the area might not love him, but everybody in DC loves the guy. Can he get back to that? I still have confidence that he can, because it's hard to believe that everybody in the industry, everybody in the industry was on this guy as a safe, prospect it's hard to believe that that's not going to at least somewhat come back and then maybe the most intriguing guy out of all of them to me for spring training is trey lipscomb what does this guy look like we already know that he could play defense at the big league level no problem whatsoever and it's not just third base it's not just even shortstop or second base like this guy can play all over the infield he won a gold glove last year for it. He is fantastic defensively. Can the bat be good enough? This is a guy that played in the SEC, so he's mature beyond his years in terms of baseball. He's experienced all these things. He kind of shot up the ranks last year. Can his bat play well enough that the Nationals consider this guy, I don't think opening day roster, but they consider this guy at second base. We talked about Luis Garcia not being locked in at second base if something were to go wrong. If Trey Lipscomb plays really well, they could actually have a replacement that isn't Nassim Nunez, where there's obviously drawbacks. You know, they could have a guy that's young, that would fit the bill of exciting, and a guy coming up through the minor league system that they've been able to develop. If they can get Trey Lipskin to play well in spring training, outside of the top guys that you're all going to be excited for, that might be the guy I'm most excited to see if he can play well. Trey Lipscomb, a gold glover in the minor league system last year for the Harrisburg Senators. He's definitely an exciting player, and it's definitely an exciting prospect. I would think that if there's any one of the non-roster invitees as far as position players that has a chance to potentially crack the roster with a big with a big showing this offseason, or excuse me, this spring training, I, I would like to put my money down on Trey Lipscomb, absolutely, actually. So I, I think that would be fun to be able to see Trey Lipscomb. Uh, as far as some of the other uh, infielders that are non-roster invitees, you got Darren Baker, um, of course, the son of... Dusty Baker, uh, Darren Baker could potentially fill a role as some sort of utility infielder. I know he's played some outfield down in minor leagues as well. He's been at the AAA level, so he's kind of knocking on the door in terms of at least finding a role on your bench at some point. You got Lewin Diaz, you have Brady House, Trey Lipscomb, and Juan Yepes are your infielders who are non-roster invitees, and then your outfielders are Dylan Cruz, Robert Hassel, James Wood, and Travis Blankenhorn. I think the one disappointment I have as far as non-roster invitees, 
we talked about my guy already, Yo-Yo Morales. Oh yeah, I, I mean we we went and saw him <laughs> down in Fredericksburg last year, um, and. Sorry, not Fred. Was it Fredericksburg? Yeah, yeah, Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg. Yep. Yeah, we, we went and saw him uh, play for the Fred Nats last year, and I was immediately blown away. I, the guy is a monstrosity standing over there at third base. He, he showed off his arm. It was like he did it specifically for us because we were right there by the third base line, <laughs> and to see him fire that cannon across the field, he was getting hits everywhere uh, in his time with the Fred Nats and in, in his time at a uh, High A. Uh, it, it's just. I, I was really hoping for a chance to be able to see Yo-Yo Morales. And Andrew Pinckney is another one that you mentioned earlier uh, who would have been kind of exciting. But those guys were both just recently drafted. So I kind of I, I kind of get it. I kind of understand why you're not necessarily going to push those guys uh, up to the non-roster invitee portion of spring training quite yet. Uh, but it would have been exciting, I think. Yeah, I, I wanted to see Yo-Yo. I, I really did. And he, he played well. So I'm intrigued to see what he can do this year. I mean, it's a guy that played in the ACC, so it's not the SEC, but it's still pretty, still pretty good. Played at Miami. We had him on the pod. Seems like a really nice guy. So I really like Yo-Yo. I was a little bit disappointed not to see his name there, but, I mean, you've got plenty of guys to get excited about that are there. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's going to be fun because we're going to be able to get a chance to watch it on Masson various times throughout this year. And, again, you can also hear it many of the games on 106.7 The Fan and the Family of Odyssey Networks here in Washington, D.C. The one thing I did want to mention about the Masson thing before we get out, it seems like, at least according to uh, someone with the Orioles beat reporting staff, uh, mentioned that the Orioles are not sending their broadcasters down to spring training. So even though they're going to be broadcasting various amounts of games, which is exciting for the Orioles in their own right, they're not sending their their broadcast team down, which, of course, has led to, oh, wait, the Nationals aren't sending their <laughs> broadcasters down either. So we'll tread lightly here. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing, Darius. Charlie and Dave will be in West Palm Beach. Char yes, yes. The radio broadcasters will be down there, as they have been outside of the COVID year. The TV broadcasters, not so much. And it's... It's disappointing, um, especially as a broadcasting nerd and Mark, as I happen to be. Uh, I'm one that really appreciates great commentating and 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 play by play, uh, both audio and visual wise. This is this is kind of a heartbreaker. For one, you feel bad for the guys. You feel bad for for Bob and Franny because I would imagine it makes their their jobs a lot harder, as we learned through the COVID year, where those guys weren't. Actually, pretty much no broadcast teams, for the most part, were going to road ballpark games or excuse me, road games. I, and now you're putting them back in the situation. And and I, I, I will say this is the one downside that. I mean, there are many downsides to COVID, of course, and <laughs> the pandemic, the pandemic shortened year. But yeah. one of the one of the big ones is that it made some of these networks, uh, these regional sports networks realize, hey, we don't have to spend money on travel because you can do it this way we've proved that you can do it this way um so it's disappointing that masson is not sending their broadcast crews down there uh you know again also for the orioles which i think is very devastating considering how good their outlook looks for the for the orioles this year I, I, that's extremely a big gut punch for them but just as much of a gut punch over here for the nationals as well yeah it's not great but i will say this at least they have more games on television and the one thing that will never be acceptable is not doing it in the regular season. Like, yeah. Those dudes should always be traveling. And I know some 
teams, I think, have flirted with it in the past, even at past COVID. So as long as it never gets to that, I can live with them not going to spring training, but it better never get to that. You've been listening to episode 96 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. Again, I'm Darius Dameron, producer of Bustin' Loose Baseball, filling in for Grant Paulson, who's out. Grant, we hope you feel better. We get get that voice rested up. We need your golden pipes on this podcast, <laughs> as well as on the radio, as well as on SiriusXM, and all the other jobs that you do, because you do so many jobs. Way too many. <laughs> Way too many jobs. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why your voice is always out. You talk all the time. Jeez, Grant, slow it down. Uh, but it's been fun filling in here alongside Toby Altizer. Toby, you got anything on the way out? Yeah, I'm just excited that baseball's back, right? I mean, obviously you think of the warm weather, but you're just hearing the pop of the glove, hearing the crack of the bat, it just gives you hope of spring and hope of summer and hope for a new baseball season. So I just cannot wait. You get all the videos from down in West Palm Beach of the, the guys all throwing and warming up and doing all the various things like baseball's here it's crazy to think about but i'm excited for it yeah especially just as uh football ended of course you know we're football guys we love football but it's over now and it it lays the land for now we can just fully invest into baseball for the next several months it's going to be great it's awesome i i will say i've never been to spring training before but i've proposed to you and grant that we should do a spring training field trip I at would some love point. It. So hopefully we'll keep you all updated here as listeners of Bustin' Loose Baseball. There's potential for us to do a uh, an episode maybe down in spring training, maybe get some player interviews or something. Yeah, just, it'd be fantastic. Just, just throwing stuff out there. I think it'd be a great idea for us to get down there and and uh, and catch the vibes down in spring training at the 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 newly named is it cacti or cacti cacti and. Look, I got to bring it up on the pod because I'm I felt like it was a good joke and I didn't get enough run this, on Twitter. This, this is a layup for you. I mean, they share the place with the Astros. Travis Scott buys the naming rights. Just thank God they didn't call it Astro Worlds. That would have been awful if they would have did that. You, you, you would just have you would have to imagine that the learners or Rizzo or whoever is in charge of that facility uh, had would have had to have said something, right? They there's no Absolutely. way they could have allowed Astro World to be the name of the ballpark, or they could have would... called it like Natland and Astro World or something like that. It would have been fun, <laughs> but I mean, I'll, I'll live with what it's named. But Travis Scott is associated with our baseball team. How cool is that? Uh, hey, I, I'll take it. We'll take a celebrity. I think he's name. throwing out the the first pitch for the first game there. In spring training. Ooh, that's cool. Now, is the first game an Astros game, or is it a Nats game, or is it both? Because I know I'm they play sure. each other several times this year too. I'm not sure. Hmm. We'll have to we'll have to look into that and and confirm. But uh, but yeah, hopefully a Bustin' Loose Baseball podcast field trip to spring training is in the works. We'll uh keep you all updated on that. In the meantime, it's been fun hosting alongside you, Toby. I appreciate you having me. In place of Grant Paulson. Grant, again, we hope you rest the voice up, get better, stop working so many jobs so your voice can heal up. We thank you for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 96. Pitchers and catchers report on the 14th. Position players report on the 20th. We're going to bring you another episode of Bustin' Loose Baseball next week ahead of position players reporting for spring training. We're getting ready for National Baseball, folks. Take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. This has been Bustin' Loose Baseball. <laughs>